Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. Hey, former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 157 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Hyman Services Studios. I am your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. And If you're a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button from whatever form you're listening to, so that way you will always get notified whenever we release an episode. And if you could be so kind to leave us a review along with some star power, it really helps get our name out there and reach more people. Before we get started, I want to let you guys know the Hog Talk is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The NFL playoffs, NBA, and college basketball are in full swing. And whether it's team spreads and totals to player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And you can also get involved virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today to sign up to get started. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And we've got a special guest host today with us. If you listen to the Hit That Line podcast network or any of the ESPN Arkansas shows, particularly from 3 to 7, Monday to Friday, you will know the man, the myth, the legend, and the better half of Ruskin and Zach, Mr. Zach Arn. Zachary, we thank you for joining us. I, I, again, listening to your open, I feel like one of these things is not like the other, and I feel like the other. I lost a bet. <laughs> That is actually true. Porter did lose a bet. You know, it's not the first time I've heard that today when I showed up. Well, you know, we lost a bet. This was actually uh, the, the ten, you know. Well, and y'all are referring to the the Clemson Notre Dame game career, the first one, the not first the conference matchup. championship. Yes, that is that is correct. How about how about it was a beautiful thing if you ask me, but you know the the return trip wasn't so good. Man, I'll tell you what, it was just tonight, and I'm not. I I was at one point one of those guys that really flexed the muscles of the SEC. I'm not really like that anymore. I've grown up. I uh, really since my college days, but that was a tough going for the ACC. I will say that much. I was I wanted to throw that first part in there so it wasn't like I was taking a jab. It was just a really tough postseason for that conference. It's tough. It was a tough postseason for a lot of different, a uh, lot of different conferences, a lot of different teams, and it, it's such a disjointed football season, college football season. I mean, it, when it came to the the bowl games, I think most people were just happy to have it. But boy, when yeah. you got uh, when you got into the uh, into the, the the bowl games themselves, my gosh, I, I was just happy to see them. I think we had half the uh, half the bowl games this year, and it was uh, it. it just happy to have them, and you know Notre Dame makes the the college football playoff, and I'll argue all day that they should have been there, um, but nobody was winning that thing but Alabama. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see anything that there was another team that could hang with them. No, not, not nobody. State, nobody was best, even close. I mean, what what I did see about with Ohio State is I know Sermon went down, but it's it's like 
they put all their energy into that Clemson game. They prepared for it all. Sure, they did. Yeah. They're wanting that revenge, and it showed. I think they wasted a lot of energy on that game, and then they won, and it showed just how unprepared they were because they played a total different defensive game plan and everything. Yeah, it was really – you, you would have to matter. think that – Yeah, <laughs> no. it, and it wouldn't. And that's the thing is he Justin Fields was going to have to have the kind of game really or even better that, that Vince Young had against uh, Texas – or against uh, USC in 2006. I mean, he just would have had to play an even better game than he did against Clemson with the six touchdowns. That's a pretty tall order. I just don't see that happening. And what Alabama's probably going to have, what, like six, maybe even a little bit more than that first-round draft picks when you look at the offensive line and skill players? I, I think so, and I, you know, I was like texting with coaches during the game because I, I I like to understand why everything's working, and you know they the, every one of them to a man said you know the, what Sark was doing was I mean it's not next level stuff it's like next next level stuff he was getting matchups on linebackers that last touchdown they scored before the half to Devonte Smith where he, I mean he just went right down the middle and the middle linebacker is in that deep you know like Tampa two look and he's supposed to run with it. And once you get Devontae Smith matched up on the linebacker, and that's purely by formation, it's a mismatch from the get-go. Mac Jones recognizes it immediately, and then all you got to do is throw it over his head. Devontae Smith walks into the end well, zone. It's but, crazy you say that because we're watching the Chiefs game, and that's what they really do with Tyreek Hill. Exactly. In that slot position, he just runs across the field, and they match him up with a linebacker. Yeah, I, I don't know how you I don't know how you stop them when you've got that many different weapons because you can't play man-to-man. You've got to give guys help. You can't play Tyreek Hill or a Devontae Smith one-on-one. I have no clue. I have no clue what you do. I mean, outside of your front four has to get elite-level pressure on every single play. I don't know what you do. Well, and on top of that, they had probably the best the, the best offensive line that Saban's ever had. He's had some great ones in the past, but you've got four that's of those. the best offensive line I've ever seen. Yeah, and you think – and that's and you coming – you being a Notre Dame sooner. fan, that says a lot because, I mean, Notre Dame has had quite a few good ones over the years, and especially in the most last 10 years or so. And just that to is, think – yeah. That's the reason they're the national champions. I mean, you and I could stand back there and throw passes yeah. uh, behind that offensive line. He, Mac Jones has all day. He can do whatever he wants. Do you think Mac Jones is a legit first-round quarterback? Man, I – It's hard because, I like you know. said, you got that incredible off and all those draft mm-hmm. picks and all those top two round. I mean, most of them first. John Mechie's just going to be – and then it's it's basically just like, yeah, every – LSU should have reloaded this year. They didn't. They, they had pretty bad coaching. Those guys were really young. But, like, it's Bama just about every single year. It seems like whether it's a sophomore, whether it's a junior, they just – always continuously do that and they did it to a whole nother level this year and Malort studies quarterbacks as well as anybody guy pro football focus and he doesn't talk about mac jones which i think is is odd because everybody you know when when you break him down i mean he throws the deep ball well he throws the intermediate ball well he's mobile but i don't think it, i think people look at him like aj mccarron which is you know, hey, he had Julio Jones. This guy's got a plethora of weapons to throw to. We don't know how good he is. Now, you may take him, you know, in the third. Somebody's going to take him early just because quarterbacks are so valuable. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's Devontae Smith and Waddle and, and that whole group. Is it Najee Harris? Is it the offensive line? Or is Mac Jones really that good? And but it, you look back at the history of Alabama quarterbacks, other than maybe two, uh, you got Hurts. I mean, there's not really that's – had success when it not when like it that going to the next level and two and Hertz is even struggling when they do get to that next level. So a, a lot of it is when, you know, you had McCarron and McElroy, 
They had a heavy running game. They were relying on their running backs. Now they're going more to the wide receivers. So it's hard to say that a quarterback's always that good when you have that many weapons mm-hmm. and the offensive line. Anybody looks good because you got to remember week two, and I talked to Kyle about this. Is I mean, LSU made what's it, uh, Costello look like a Heisman contender because he was yeah. just torching people. Clemson did the same way with Fields. I think, you know, Fields was just chunking down the field and they were scoring touchdowns. And then a week later, you play against a good defense and they shut him down. Well, guys, there might be a pretty big debate over that. Who was going to, just like there is every single year, who's going to be the best quarterback in the draft. But there is no debate about Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer, spending 18 months perfecting the greatest below-the-belt trimmer ever created. And they recently released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Fellas, don't be like the Razorback men's basketball team and men's sandal balls. Go to manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping with code HOG, H-A-W-G. That's HOG, H-A-W-G, at manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping. Just a another ugly performance. Zach, now, you know, I'm not trying to uh, call out age here, but you do have a few years on Porter and I. Have you ever seen Razorback b- basketball as low to the point that we have the past two games? Okay, so I, I started looking into this because I, I've had this theory all along, and this goes back to the summer. I think we all became so enamored with the stars, the, these recruits that were coming in. You got a top five recruiting class. Everybody's got four stars. This thing's just going to pick up and take off. The question we kept asking on the show was, who's going to lead them? Who's your alpha? Who's your, who's your, your big dog? Because last year, you, could, you knew going into every game, you could roll the ball out there. You knew between Mason, Jimmy Witt, Isaiah Joe and Adriel Bailey, you were going to get 60 points. The question was, who was going to score the other 20? This year, I think you know who the 20 is coming from, but then you're sort of piecemealing this thing together to get the other 60. And I think that's where they're struggling. It, you know, the, the disappearance of Desi Sill, something's going on there, and it, and it has nothing to it's – not, it's not a physical thing with him. I don't know what the deal is, but Desi's just disappeared. Sometimes, if you've got a lack of leadership, this is the sort of ugliness you get. Now, you want to have it in January versus February or March. And I also think their, their schedule was front-loaded. I think the, the, the best teams they're going to play, they just played. And they can make you look bad. I mean, this, this week, when you've got Auburn, then you're, I think it's Ole Miss and then Vanderbilt. I think I got that right. Those three games in a row, you gotta get, you've got to get all three of those. All three of those games are winnable, but you have to get them. You have to, whatever is going on has to be corrected. Must didn't get stupid overnight. I mean, he's a great coach. He knows what he's doing. But something is going on with the chemistry in that team, and you just got to find that, you know, what everybody thought, you know, Justin Smith coming back was going to solve it. But obviously that didn't didn't solve the problem. Yeah, when you're dealing with basketball, man, a lot of it's confidence. If your shots aren't going in and it keeps on happening game after game, it just makes your confidence go even more lower you got to start getting them shots to fall. And, and the big thing, and a lot of people sitting on the coach, coach ain't going to make layups for you. You cannot continuously go an eight for 20 on layups. Or, and even if they're not doing layups, you look at some of those shots, they're point blank. They're not making the shots they need. Uh, it's just a lot of mental things to me is going on, whether it's confidence or – because I don't know how many times I heard Chuck say – Guys dribbling the ball, the defense closes in, turnover. I mean, it's just like they're just getting scared when somebody comes in on them, 
and the ball is just going off their leg and out of bounds. I just, there's, there's something like you said, Zach, there, there needs to be somebody other than Moody because he's this year's Mason Jones. Cause you know, when I was Isaiah Joe went out, he had to carry the load. He's already proven with his 28 points. All right. He's ready to take that step of being that leader. Who's going to join him. I was looking at the stats this morning. Their turnover margin per games, they're minus 2.2. So it's not like they're being turned over at a, you know, a three to one clip or anything like that. If you're asking me, it's the field, their field goal defense. They're, they're on the ball defense, closing people out. Teams are shooting almost 50% during league play against them. I mean, you can't have that. You're, they're shooting 41%. Other teams are shooting near 50. You know, you're making half your shots. You're not going to win too many games. You know, scoring margin is, is I think it's a four point difference. It's not, it's not a, it's a, it's a bunch of little things that are making this, uh, making this look really, really bad. And I don't know how you, I don't know that like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not must smart. I, I don't know what the, what the quick fix is, but somebody needs to take over last year. You could hand the ball to Mason Jones and go get, go get us 30. And now I, they don't have that guy. Well, I feel like he's in a position that he's just never been in before. He was asked about the timeouts that he's been taking, and he essentially said in his postgame presser that this is the most that he's ever taken. He's almost He almost feels like he's running out. He didn't do it at Nevada. He didn't have to do it last year. But you talk about the chemistry. He's brought that up pretty much since the, the preseason, talking about how COVID really had, which every team is in this position, how COVID had a negative impact on that because you're not able to be around the team outside of practice, really, maybe just some guys that are roommates. But this was a question asked by Curtis Wilkerson of hogsports.com that uh, Coach Must said regarding the team's chemistry in the postgame press conference after Alabama. Hey, Coach, back-to-back games, opponents have put together some pretty, pretty big first-half runs on you, and, and you've called several timeouts, but how important is it to have that on-floor leadership to kind of calm the guys down and rally the troops a little bit, and you're concerned that that may be something that's missing? Yeah, I'm uh, overly – I mean, I've, you know, gone back-to-back games where, I, I mean, I didn't have enough timeouts, and, and um, you know, you can go back whether it was – you know, prior to me go up, coming to Arkansas or last year, I mean, I've, I usually like guys uh, to kind of play through the flow and, and um, you know, we have some, some quick hitters that we like to do when another team goes on a run, but um, certainly a leadership on the floor, um, you know, is, is, is something that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's very, very concerning. And I was also very concerned, too, about uh, – I don't know what your take is, Zach, on this, but with, with David Patrick basically running the show in the second half. Now, he is the associate head coach, but I just feel like Eric Musselman has really been sort of a child in the way that he's carried himself in some ways over the last few weeks. I said it after Missouri. I personally think that the reason he got tossed was stu- – I don't think that he should have been. I'm saying like I don't think he should have gotten to that point. I understand trying to fire your team up. I understand that the refs were really, really bad. There was like 57 free throw shot, I think was the count. But the thing is to me, to the outside world, that just really looks bad in my opinion because you're just basically showing the week before or actually a few days before you're on a postgame presser talking about let's go Chuck, let's go Chuck, just all excited. And then you're pouting and treating the media like they're garbage in some of your postgame pressers. Now, I didn't really feel that against Alabama, but I have felt like that in a couple of games this season. And I felt like that a couple of games last year. Do you think his temperament has caused a problem? I, th- I, I, I compare him to Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan and, and when he was with the 49ers, where it, the intensity in, with which he coaches is going to rub some kids the wrong way. Some kids are going to tune him out. 
And that's where David Patrick comes in as the buffer. That goes, you know, when you're recruiting a kid, you, if you can't coach him hard, then the kid doesn't need to come here. And that, I mean, that's just plain and simple. Muss is going to ride his butt from the second he gets off the bus as a freshman to whenever he leaves. And a lot of times he, you know, he's a very high strung guy. He's a very emotional guy. And so, you know, Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe responded to it. This bunch doesn't seem to. So Muss has to sort of adjust and make some changes with the way that he deals with the kids. And for him, that may be very, very difficult because it might be the first time in his career he's ever had to do this. I heard Joe Staley, who was with the 49ers, talk about Harbaugh just basically burning guys out where every single practice, you know, they were ratcheted up intensity wise. And then, you know, they get to the games and the guys were just exhausted by that point. You know, they go to the, uh, you know, the, the day after LSU, they have the, the practice with the weighted vests. Now, Nick Saban, in those particular instances, goes the exact opposite. If his team struggles, he's going to lighten up on him. He's going to coach him up. He's going to love him. Musk goes the other way. It's, you know, two different styles of coaching, I think. And again, Musk didn't get dumb overnight. He, he will understand this. He will adjust to it. He will make changes to it. It's a young team. Last year, he had a veteran team. Jimmy Witt was a, a transfer senior. The guys that he relied on were seniors. They, these, were, these were guys, seniors, sophomores, guys that played a lot of basketball. The guys that he's relying on right now were high school kids, you know, 12 months ago. So it's, it's something that he'll have to adjust to, and I'm sure he will. He's not, again, he's not dumb. He didn't suddenly lose it overnight. He's just got to adjust to this particular team, which is a little bit more, it's like a racehorse, a little bit more temperamental than the team he had last year. Definitely. And, you know, Coach Neighbors and the women's team, the same situations, he handles total opposite because he's got that senior-laden team. Mm -hmm. If the other team goes on a run, he stated, I don't want to call a timeout. I want them to figure it out because he said, if I do call a timeout, he feels like there's something wrong or they gave up. He gave up on them. So I think a lot of right there is the youth. That that right there just is a true testament to you need to have somebody – get more mature and some of the guys like Desi Seals who this year was supposed to be kind of that leader to get the young ones around him to step up but we we don't know go what's going on how behind the scenes because of COVID how much they're actually getting to interact outside of practice and to you need that bonding to really get that cohesiveness to really perform on the court and I think that's that's an underlining. They see losses and they want to blame the coach or the players. And but you really don't know what is going on from the plane ride, the practices after practice. So I, in my opinion, I think they need to cut everybody some slack because we don't know what the coaches and the players are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. You only see what's going on on Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah. And I think that, well, and I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, we've, become so COVID and using that as an excuse has become such a normalcy, but we, that we forget about the fact that it is a legit excuse for the Razorbacks, for a lot of other teams, just considering that this has been such, and I feel like we talk about it every episode, how it has had just such an impact on the kids. They've never had to deal with this in sports, just like we've never had to deal with it in our everyday lives and everybody's at that point. And, you know, here we are almost a year later and still having to now I think that we've come a very long way since last March. There's no question about that. I and mean, we've got a vaccine and kind of know how to keep it under control. Now we can still play sports with proper protocols. 
But we touched on it, how this was, Zach, I like what you said about the being a front-end loaded schedule. Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, which mm-hmm. I thought they played really good against Tennessee. Missouri is a definitely a respectable opponent. But then you bring in an Auburn team that you beat on the road. I, I don't know. I think it was like three or four losses that they have had in that entire building since it was built in 2010. It's not very much. And then you welcome them in, coming off a defeat after beating Kentucky. And then I'll tell you one thing that I'm just – I saw the stats from that game, and I saw that Little Rock native Alan Flanning, and, of course, his dad Wes is a assistant on the Auburn basketball team. He had a really solid game. I got the stats right here. Uh, had 21 points on 6 of 14 shooting, 9 rebounds. How poetic would it be? How Arkansas would it be for a homegrown kid – to come in and just put up 30 and lead Auburn to a win. <laughs> it would be um, very uh, Kevon Allen-ish. Um, <laughs> yes. that, 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 that kid, I think, went for 75 every single time Florida played Arkansas. This, it used to be, in, 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 like you pointed out earlier, I've got a few years on you. It used to be you'd see freshmen hit the wall in late January, early February. It feels like these kids, with everything they've gone through, sort of hit the wall, the freshmen in particular. Everybody not named Moses Moody. You lose K.K. Robinson. You know, I don't know what Jalen Williams is yet. I'm sure that by the time he's done, he's going to be a very polished player. But right now, when the ball goes into his hands, you can play five-on-four defense when Jalen Williams is on the floor because he's not going to score. So I don't know what he is. I don't see him, you know, block a shot here and there. He's not a, you know, he's not a glass eater. He's not, you know, dominating the boards. So I don't know what you're doing with him. He's out there for for you know, because he's six foot 10 Connor Vanover. I mean, that poor kid, he's a lightning rod because he's seven foot three, but he's seven. He's a seven foot three wing player. He can't play low post defense. He's not a low post threat and he can't take you off the dribble. So what do you do with them? You know, if you're a muscleman, he's one of your 10 best players. What do you do with them? And I think that's a source of frustration for fans and, and coaching staff alike. I also think, as media, as fans, as you know, anybody that follows this team sort of had in their head that this team was at the very best a Sweet 16 or an Elite 18. You know, we all thought they were a tournament team. We never took into account that they just that they, you know, they hadn't played any minutes together. We didn't know what this was going to look like. There's no glue guys, there's no, there's no established leader that you can just give the ball to and say, get me two. And I think that's what's ha- that's what we're seeing every ne- every night right now is that. They can't figure out who their leader is. Well, and a lot of that, you're talking about the fans. That's, that's a perfect because there was so much hype put on these kids. Mm-hmm. Four star and in-state kids. And the fans are so hungry for the, the, the program to be successful, whether it's football or basketball or baseball. You know, they're hungry for something to go right. So they put all this excitement and, and it's almost like, they can't blame themselves for their own expectations. If the expectations aren't lived up, they want to point the fingers at other places other than, man, I said this was going to be a sweet 16 without them even stepping on the court. You didn't see how they even played a game. And, yeah, they looked good against, you know, went 9 and 0, but we've seen some alarming details with UCA and some of these lower teams where mm-hmm. they were struggling. But, again, it's like – it's almost like – I hear you mention on the, your show all the time, like an abusive relationship. It's like you love this team so much, you're not going to look at those red flags. Mm-hmm. You're going to sit there and be like, oh, well, they only won by 12 against UCA, but, man, they played so hard. They're going to pick it right up. They were playing down to the – so you make all these excuses, 
but now in these in tough times, you're not willing to stick by them. And I think that's sixty percent of the fan base. But, that, but that's a fan. That, but that's a fan base. The fan bases are crazy. Um, you, you gotta you gotta look at the the, the, the red flags. You gotta look for the red flags. Last year they had two NBA guys on their roster. Two mm-hmm. NBA guys and Adrian Bailey who's playing over in Europe. I mean, those are three quality players that you can. I mean, you could just give the ball to. And I don't think they have that guy. You know, I, I'm, I'm certain that Moses Moody is going to the NBA next year. I don't know if he's an NBA player, to be perfectly honest. If you're an NBA guy, we saw two of them last year. We saw guys like Joe and Jones take over games and win games. I'm not sure Moody can do that yet. I don't know what, you know, I'm not an NBA scout. I don't know what they're looking for. I know they draft on potential a lot, but I just, I don't know what he is. And if he's your leader at the end of games, when you get in trouble, give him the ball, get out of the way that simple Zach do you think that this the these grad trends talking about uh you know talented players or lack thereof I guess as some people are thinking right now there was a lot of talk over the last 24 I guess as people are listening to this for 48 hours or so that Musselman really has had all these grad transfers come in and the only ones that have panned out was Jimmy Witt and to an extent Mm -hmm. Justin Smith at least in the non-conference before he went down where are you at on Jalen Tate and Vance Jackson, the guys, J.D. Note? I know J.D. Note just hasn't been able to play defense. He's a great shooter. But overall, where are you at on these guys? Do you think that it could come together? I don't know, man. I, they whiffed on some some grad transfers last year, Scylla being, of course, the, the poster child for that. Jimmy Witt, I, I wouldn't even put Justin Smith in that you know that success category, category yet because, he, I mean, he hasn't played that many games. Jimmy Witt was a grad transfer that worked. Everything else has been a whiff. And I'm starting, I, that's a red flag, guys. I mean, throw, throw a red flag up. The port, I say all the time, you're in the portal for a reason. If you were averaging 25 a game and, and your team was winning, you'd still be at the school you were at. You're in the portal for a reason. Why are you there? And, you know, and I, I, look, I'm, I'm not as smart as Musselman. I know that, you know, he played against Bass Jackson, really liked him. And thus far, it just hasn't clicked. And, and in basketball, maybe more so than, than any other sport, it's about chemistry and the five guys on the floor. And they've all got to play together and play off of each other. And he just hasn't been able to get those puzzle pieces to fit yet. And I think that's, that's part of the equation. You know, some of it is, you know, some of these guys may have, you know, played in lesser leagues and been more successful. And, you know, you get to the SEC, which is a much more physical league, and it bothers them a little bit. I, I and so I think one of those guys, I think he, he got knocked around a little bit and it threw him off his game. And one of the final things that before we hit a break here that I was going to ask is you talked about the red flags and the, I guess it was at the beginning of the summer, like late May, early June is when Chris Crutchfield, the assistant coach, big time assistant coach, has a great resume over the years. He ends up taking a job at East, I think it was Eastern Oklahoma or one of those schools that's a D2 Takes it, albeit for a head coaching job, and you're kind of like, okay, that's weird timing. But then you bring in David Patrick. Another one of those things that you had mentioned just a second ago is you don't pay attention to really the red flags. It's like, well, he's a head coach. He has recruited guys like Ben Simmons and, and among others. And then you, you have your athletic trainer just up and resign in December. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, what is going on behind the scenes? Now, in most cases, it might not be a big deal. But then I think about it, and I completely agree with you that kids should expect to be. Uh, coached hard I, I definitely am with Musselman on that but I just wonder what his temperament might be and that's why I'd ask the question do you think it might be a problem it seems like it really not just rubs the players the wrong way but it is certainly rub coaches and and I and again I, that's that's not been confirmed but it was just really weird timing 
that Crutchfield left when he did, and then the athletic director, the head, or I'm sorry, the head athletic trainer left when he did. I, you know, I saw Moses Moody at North Little Rock. I watched him a little bit when he was at IMG. I mean, he never had anybody get in his face. Never had to. Yeah. I mean, he was always the best player on the field or on, on the floor. Jalen Williams, the same way. These guys have never had a coach. They've had a lot of these players have never had anything go wrong. I mean, seriously wrong, where they really, really had these spells where they struggled and then had a coach get in their face. So you could have some adverse reactions. I, I had a guy tell me a story one time about a quarterback here who suddenly, I mean, just couldn't throw the ball to anybody wearing red. And it was as simple as his girlfriend broke up with him. He was just upset. And it's sometimes you're, you got you to keep remembering, these are 18-year-old kids. They're, they're emotional roller coasters. And little things can bother them and turn into you know big things. It's just that their lives are on display every Wednesday and Saturday night. And once you get it figured out, everything goes back to normal. And you're like, well, you know, what happened to you know, player X? It can be that simple. And, you know, now if you're, if you're Muslim and you're doing damage control, you're trying, you've got to build these kids back up. You've got to make them think that, you know, when you give your final pregame talk, they're going to bust through the door and they're going to beat anybody. That's where you got to go, you know, on, on Wednesday night when they play Auburn. Yeah. So Wednesday night, Auburn, and then they go to Vanderbilt. I think it, what is it? Uh, three of their next five, I want to say are at home, something like that. they got a good bit of a home stretch there. And like you said, it's very favorable. Now you do have a tough one at Oklahoma state on January 30th. I'm not even worried about that one. I, yeah. Nine and nine in SEC play is going to get you into the tournament. Yeah. Yep. Well, and also too, the, the you've all, after the Oklahoma state, you've got, you got Mississippi state and A&M, which those are definitely two winnable ones right now. My birthday is on February 9th when they go, to Rupp Arena. I don't care what I – I would love to just and, – and it's very, very likely that they could do that. Now, that's a long ways away. You know, we're three weeks from now. But, man, Kentucky, those are – Kentucky and Arkansas are two programs I definitely think in the preseason that no one expected it to be in shambles, at least to the point that – I, I wouldn't say that the programs are – well, Kentucky might be in shambles. I don't know that I'd put Arkansas in that shambles group yet because they still are 10-4. and four. Two and four in the SEC, so they've got an uphill climb. But uh, I, I mean, yeah, I'm looking through the schedule here right now, and and it's there's just no question that their first three weeks, whatever it is, was their toughest. Kentucky's having the same problems Arkansas. It's chemistry. It's all yeah. about chemistry. It's not a talent issue. I think both teams have talent. It's just a, a chemistry issue, getting guys to play together. Which we will uh, we will be talking about that later on in our segment, but we're up against a break right now. That will be the final thing that we talk about in our Hog House Non Performer of the Week with uh, Coach pa- Coach Cal's interesting uh, decisions uh, the, in the game against Auburn, which they lost. But uh, we will be right back after the break. Please stay with us. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. 
Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in the handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode number 157 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Zach Arns, Porter Hayes, and we're continuing our basketball talk this time. Going to talk a little more positivity. The women's team uh, on a really good run right now. They have had a couple of setbacks in SEC play, but 11-4 and overall and uh, got a big win over Florida the other night. And, Zach, I'll tell you what, man. Chelsea Dungy, Coach Neighbors, I know that you guys, you and uh, Ruskin have him on your show quite a bit. He's had it. He's uh, been on the Hog Talk a few times, and he mentioned one of the last times that we talked to him about it. I guess it was not. It was uh, right after the Baylor win, and talking about how Chelsea Dungy's just in the best shape she's ever been, and couple of, called a couple of uh, other players up by name that have just been in tip top shape for this year. But man, she is just on a run for SEC Player of the Year, leading the conference right now. I'm not saying she's at the top. I know Ryan Howard from Kentucky's done really well too. But man, she's just uh, she's taking it up a notch from two years ago. We saw this two years ago at the uh, the tournament where she took over and got them to the uh, got them to the final. And she is um, last year she she was going to play a different position. And she worked basically on her low post game most of the year. And that's why, she, you know, I'm using quotation fingers here, but she had kind of an off year for Chelsea. And now she's back to playing on the wings and shooting threes and driving, you know, getting, you know, taking people off the ball. And I mean, she is, she's an elite level player. I mean, she's a WNBA player, no question. And she will be one of those players that, you know, and we talk about it with the men's team, you know, who can you give the ball to and get to? Well, you know, Mike neighbors knows he can give the ball to 33 and Chelsea will get him too, if he needs it. Yeah, and, and the free throw. I mean, she was 17. Oh, she's unbelievable. Free throw line. I mean, stupid. And this is what I was proud of the team is because they come off those two losses. We're, we're forgetting that Lavender Briggs put up 41 on them, and they still – I mean, Florida gave them their best shot at 41, and the other girl had 21 and still found a way to, to win the game. So they desperate. They were in the same situation when it comes to conference play with the men. They really needed that win because Monday – you know, they, they, tomorrow they play South Carolina. You know, Mike told us, we had him on before the, uh, before the season started and that, what were they preseason number 12 or 13, whatever they were. And he said, he said, that's great. But he said, there's five teams from the SEC ranked ahead of us. I mean, the league's ridiculous. You know, we have this argument all the time. Is it easier to win uh, the, the SEC in football, men's basketball, women's basketball, or baseball? And honestly, it, it's probably the toughest to win it. Baseball, women's basketball is right behind it. Because I think everybody in the league's good. Maybe with the exception of Auburn, everybody in in women's basketball is good. Yeah, like Porter said, you know, I guess as on on uh, today as this releases, they'll be playing at six p.m. against South Carolina, a perennial juggernaut right now. It seems like they, at least in recent years, have taken over from UConn. I guess UConn took it over from Tennessee, and then South Carolina has taken it over there. What Don Staley and we've said it on this show so many times has just been incredible. And I, I was looking through their schedule. I've looked over the past couple of weeks or so, and then it, you think about that is that they had a pretty front-loaded one as well, at least with, you know, Kentucky was a really tough one. Tennessee just had so much size. They're they're a really solid program. And then, yeah, you know, looking at – I know Georgia – I'm not really sure how Georgia or Vanderbilt's done this year, but you got them coming up. You've already played Mizzou. 
But uh, And then Mississippi State on February 11th. That's another tough one. I know Vic Schaefer being gone, but that's been another perennial as well. But where where are you at? See, my, my thing with the only thing that I could really break down, I guess, after the Baylor women, Porter and I were talking about it, is kind of the – which was one of the problems that Arkansas men have – but just the inside presence. I think I like what Taylor Thomas can do. I like what Aaron Barnum can do. But do you feel like that they're maybe just one big away from really competing with the big dogs in the country? Yeah, and Taylor's I mean, she's she's got knee problems. I mean, her her knees, she she can barely walk out there. She's giving it everything she's got. And Aaron, quite honestly, at six foot four is a wing player. Um, she's not one of those low post bangers. She she tries and she gets in there and does what she can, but that's not what she does best. So what do you do? You, you've got to basically kind of mix it together, mix up your defenses. And yeah, I mean, teams with, I mean, A&M was a prime example of that. I mean, A&M had some girls that just could play. I mean, anytime they wanted it, they could drop it on the block and get, and get two off the glass. It was that simple. So, you know, he, he, Mike is creative. Mike's one of those guys. I mean, he, he doesn't watch a ton of game film. Once he understands what you're doing, he, he'll come up with a game plan and they'll be fine. Um, they're they're going to be one of those teams. They get hot from the outside. They can beat anybody. We saw that when they beat Baylor. You know, if they're struggling shooting the ball from outside, and Amber Ramirez is a huge part of that. Amber has got to be healthy. Uh, if they knock, if they can hit threes and draw you out, and then you know get the the driving layups that they like, they they can compete with anybody. I mean, they're that talented. And the scary part is in this COVID world where the scholarships don't count, they can bring everybody back next year if they want to. That's yeah. the terrifying part. Do you think Chelsea will come back? Or do you think she goes? Well, do you think she goes to the NBA? <laughs> I mean, it's or WNBA. I'm sorry. I, man, I, cause she's, she's I, been in college a while. And so, you know, you got to think maybe she wants she to has. just start making money, but I know how much she loves playing here and how much she really enjoys, you know, coach neighbors and his, his, the way that they do things, you know, if she's got a chance to, to go to the WNBA and be drafted, I think you have to go. And if, if and I know Mike well enough, if she, if she's in that group, he's going to tell her to go. Yeah. But man, if you could get her, and Jersey and all of these and Amber and and Michaela Daniels. Destiny. Back. Oh my! Oh my God! Well, then you <laughs> that got team is loaded. Injury. Yeah. Well, and they'll be. I, I've said I, I haven't quite called them the best backcourt in the country yet. But I, if that does happen, there I don't think there's any question they'll be the best backcourt in the country for twenty one twenty two. No question. I mean, because right now you've got four legit threats. I mean, when they're hot, they can all score. You know, you got Ramirez. Slocum, Chelsea, and then you got Michaela Daniels. Mm-hmm. She's proven that she can drop 27 to 30 on you, too. She's smooth, really smooth. What really impressed me was even in the loss at Texas A&M, where they, in my opinion, they gave the game away. They should have just dribbled it up and, and ran out. But you had Taylor out when she went out with the knee. Michaela Daniels dribbled. She took a hard fall in the fourth quarter. Chelsea was out half the second quarter in foul trouble and they still was within a bucket of winning the game that would have happened last year because Chelsea goes out last year you know you had Alexis her and Ramirez one of them goes out it, you'd only had a couple of scores because I mean Tolford could get you some buckets but she was more of that point guard leader and I think Destiny Slocum needs to really come out of her shell of wanting just to mess with the players and really because she's proven she can take over I, I think she needs to get out of that that shell and really some of these games drop 20 and she can 
She absolutely yeah. can. I, and I've liked the progress of Jalen, too. You know, I thought that she stepped in pretty well for Amber against uh, A&M. You know, like, Zach, we talked about her plenty of times. Just mm-hmm. she she's coming off an injury, and then you add COVID to it. That just makes it that much tougher. And, you know, she's she's done what she can overall this year. But, again, you just you got to get back in the rhythm of things. And I think that she's really gotten that. Obviously, you know, she's always in that five. I know that Coach Neighbors typically uh, in, a, in a closer games play about the, the anywhere from about up to seven, I guess seven or eight is what I've seen. And she's always in that rotation and she's definitely stepped up to it. Yeah, they, they all, and, and they are going, they're getting better. And again, the, I mean, the league is so top heavy. Um, you know, the top eight teams in the league could win the league. All of them, you know, if everything broke right, you could go and win it. And the thing that he talks about now is he's the, the way that they're recruiting is they're getting on the ball defenders where they can go lock up your best defender. If they, if they wanted to, you know, Marquisha Davis, he tells me all the time is their best on the ball defender. I mean, she's long. She can, you know, she can cover a lot of ground real fast. She just hasn't played a lot. So as she grows and, and gets more playing time and, and becomes sort of that defensive stopper, that's another weapon at his disposal that you can put out there and just lock somebody up on a couple of possessions. Yeah, and to the point we were talking about Chelsea going to the NBA, I, I think Alexis Tolfrey not getting drafted, there's only two rounds. So that really sits in their mind mm-hmm. when it comes to getting drafted because from what I was gathering and the scouts and the players thought, they for sure thought she was going into that 27 to 30 right there tail end of the draft, and she didn't get drafted. So – I think if anything was to hold Chelsea back from going to the draft is her grade. I think if she's a for sure first rounder, she's going to go. But if you're in that second round, I mean, you got these teams in the NBA, they only get two picks. So it's very short compared to the men's and any other draft. So I would love to see them all go. But if she's a for sure first rounder like Ryan Howard in Boston from South Carolina, I, I think she's going to go. Mm-hmm. Speaking of former, or well, I guess that this for these guys, former Razorbacks and the pros, that uh, there was a lot of debate about their draft grades. Of course, Isaiah Joe did get drafted, Mason Jones didn't. Joe with the, and Jones, of course, with the Houston Rockets had a really big game Saturday night in a loss to San Antonio. Yeah. And so he's played five games. And got his first start, 24 points, six rebounds, four assists, eight of 12 from the field, six for eight from deep. Man, just you got to think that this whole deal with James Harden, I mean, obviously with Mason Jones being able to play so many different positions and being a stellar guard, this has got to be really good for him. And, and man, just to come out, yeah, it's in a loss, but I'd say he definitely made a name for himself in his first major. I think he played about 35 minutes, so he made a big name for himself. Oh, no question. And I, I, we, we all saw that last year. We know what he can do. Yeah. And he's just got to go out and prove it. And, you know, the fact that he didn't get drafted uh, was, was a little shocking, but you know, I, I, I think you know, I was watching the, the highlights of it. I mean, he hit one from Toledo. He had a three pointer that was almost a half court. I mean, he's just, he's one of those guys, he's a basketball player. He doesn't really, he's a tweener. He doesn't really have a position. He's just a basketball player. And those guys are hard to find guys that can put the ball in the hoop. And, and if you got one, you, you cherish it. You got a guy like Harden that's a problem, and you can, you know, obviously now Houston's going with the youth movement, but Mason Jones is in a great spot now. They, they get rid of Harden, he's going to get playing time. And, and the same thing with Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe fits what Doc Rivers wants to do, which is they're going to put him in the corner, they're going to put him on the wing, let him do what he does best, you know, not try and change his game, they're just going to let him shoot. And I think with a lot of the rookies, you look at Cam Curl, you look at Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones, they, they're coming into the league with this chip on their shoulder. You know, and I think that ha- that's their MO. 
they're not getting drafted. If they are getting drafted, they're getting drafted lower than what they thought, and they're coming out, and they're taking the most of advancement. And I think this speaks. If you want to talk down to the college players and you want to know what it takes, you got to take the most of the opportunity you're given. And look what Jones and Isaiah Joe are doing. with Because in a normal season, they might not be getting this this opportunity to play. This ain't preseason. So for them to shine and really do good in regular season like Curl, Jones, and, and Joe, it's really going to help the future of Arkansas recruiting because they're, they're going to notice that these kids from Arkansas are going to work hard. Yeah, Joe in eight games has one start. He's averaging seven points per game. I mean, his numbers do not jump off the sheet off the stat sheet at you, but had his best game last Thursday in a 125-108 win over the Heat. He got 12 points and did a very respect. He, he was commended big time by Doc Rivers and a lot of the NBA national media for the de- defensive job that he did against Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And that was something that Mike Anderson pointed out and also Eric Musselman last year that he's a very underrated defender. I think that we just think about that he can hit a shot from just about anywhere, which he proved that he was an incredible shooter. But I think that his defense is being very underplayed, and it's finally being brought to national attention now. Doc loves him, and he said that you know when they drafted him, they said you know, he said that during camp that, that he was going to play, and Doc loves him, and he's Doc's kind of guy. I mean, he he probably will play more and more and more as you know, provided he, he continues to shoot the ball well. But he's going to get more minutes. He's going to get playing time. And I mean that that's a Fort Smith Northside kid. I mean, you gotta love just a an Arkansas kid up in Philly lighting it up. And it seems like we keep going teeter totter, teeter totter here, but uh, we're about to start our hog house non-performer of the week. We'll go ahead and cue the music real quick and get that started. Now, John Calipari, as we talked about just a second ago, it's uh it's been a tough go for UK. You know, they start off one and six. And then they get on that three-game winning streak and to start SEC play, beating Mississippi State, Vandy, and Florida. But since then, have back-to-back losses against Bama and Auburn. He's really catching flag for benching Jacob Toppin and Dante Allen. And he seems to have this infatuation with B.J. Boston, who's just not where they thought he would be. Here was a question that was asked to him yesterday just about that, and it really didn't – it was getting a lot of uh, negative flack on Twitter. But I'll go ahead and uh, play this for you see what we think about it. Uh, Cal, you go into halftime with a lead, and uh, Jacob Toppin and uh, uh, Al, uh, Al, Dante Allen are your leading scorers, and Dante's your leading rebounder. Why uh, Why did you not start them at the second half, and they don't get in until six minutes is passed in the half? Well, you know, one of the things we talked about, do we do – we ch- Lance, too. How about throwing Lance in there? And what you're trying to do is, I'm not trying to, I want to win every game we coach, but the other side of it is I'm not trying to take anybody's heart away. So you can sub them when, you know, three, four minutes in and go. We didn't start to half that badly. So that wasn't the case. It isn't like, you know, you're just subbing quarterbacks. He played a bad quarter, so I'm going to play this other quarterback. You don't coach that way. All right, so I'll just stop it there. I mean, it seems to me that, I never would expect John Calipari to be concerned about hurting feelings over playing time. I mean, this is just – he's destroying this team because – well, for many reasons. But he's – I mean, he's not playing the guys that are getting you the production. 
And I was texting a really good – I'm not going to say his name because he did put out a few hot takes, but a good friend of mine that's a beat writer for Kentucky, this was the first time I've ever really seen him say, like, I just don't know. I think Calipari's just showing he's he's old, he's outdated, his system's not working. I'm not even so sure that he would jump to the NBA as a coach because nobody would want him. So maybe a front office role is good for him. But I think that it is really – and we've talked about there's so much season left, but this could really be the season that – the, the fan base officially turns on him, especially if he doesn't turn it around and make that NCAA tournament. Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, Cal's one of the best coaches in the country. I mean, regardless, this is one of those prisoner of the moment deals. I mean, they, they'll they'll be fine. What do we, what do we know about uh, Kentucky? They always struggle in the early part of the season, and this is still the early part of the season. And then what happens? They just suddenly, they, they arrive and they start playing really well. And Cal will get it turned around. I feel like he's playing possum, and I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, and you look at that game against Arkansas last year. Purposely took that technical foul, and they play better. He done it again this year. He got a technical foul, and they ended up winning the game. So he knows what he's doing. I mean, if if he was totally lost, it I think he would have went back at that reporter a little bit harder than what he did. And, and like you said, playing possum, he wants people to underestimate him and then come the last 10, 10 games in the season this, uh, that's the one thing I've looked at when it comes to getting in the tournament they always put a big emphasis on how'd you finish your last 10 games they always put that stat up and I think when it comes to the last 10 games going into the SEC, SEC tournament we're going to see them in the top one to four seeds well see and I'm with you guys I, I mean I, I, I was saying what was told to me I, I do tend to agree I will say this though that if he does have one of those seasons like 2012 2013 Archie Goodwin's year I think they got bounced in the NIT in the first round by oh, I don't I don't even remember what FCS school yes I, I I can't remember was it Robert Morris they got bounced by an FCS yeah, school yeah at, and it was at Robert Morris they okay. played in one of those I think it played yeah. in the lunchroom with the, with the stage behind it <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, if, if something like that happens, then things are going to get really interesting in Kentucky. But I, I'm totally with you guys. I mean, I have no reason to believe that, like you said, he's not playing possum. or And like you said, Zach, he, Musselman didn't get dumb overnight, and John Calipari certainly didn't either. So, yeah, I don't know that there's necessarily – I'm not sure that I fully agree with what my buddy was saying, but he definitely uh, definitely gave a pretty long rant on that. And so that is our Hoghouse non-performer of the week. And, Zach, you're uh, – I know you call – Springdale football games. Are you doing uh, basketball as well? Too? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, I did uh, my. I, I've done two games so far. We were up at uh, Rogers, the new gym, uh, on Friday night, and it was a beautiful, beautiful place. Keith Kilgore and his staff did a great job building that place. Looking forward to. Uh, I think we got the Battle of the Bulldogs on Tuesday, Fayetteville, Springdale, and then uh, I think we're home after that. I think Bentonville comes into town, so we get to a taste of the top three teams in the league. We're just bang, 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 bang. Yeah, we. You know, I cover around uh, Central Arkansas with Rocktown Sports. One of my best friends, the photographer, and then I do the writing and the stats. We're not able to just because of you know games being on Tuesdays, and I'm an hour away from Central Arkansas. I'm not able. I actually saw my first game the other night between Little Rock Christian and. Parkview, and I'll tell you, uh, Parkview's gym, yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. But Creed Williamson, he looks identical to Corliss. I'm not saying necessarily playing style. He's a good player. I'm not ready to put him on Corliss's level. But he, I don't know if you've seen him in a basketball uniform. He looks identi- identical to Corliss yeah. at Russellville, minus the uh, the short shorts. 
but they, yeah, they've got Leighton Blocker, man. They've, they, I'm telling you, Central Arkansas, but the state of Arkansas, we were talking about this in the Hog Talk group chat earlier that the state of Arkansas for the next like four or five years is just astoundingly good. Oh my gosh. Central Arkansas basketball is phenomenal. I love, like, we love going to the tournament. Um, you know, when Springdale makes a tournament, we go down there, we see just the, we see these collections of athletes and, you know, we do six, a games, but, you know, we'll sneak over and watch a game in the five or the four or something like that. And man, Arkansas high school sports is so much fun. And that the, the way the AAA puts on the tournament, if you get a chance to go to a couple of these over a weekend, man, there is nothing better than watching just game after game, after game, after game. And the intensity is incredible. Yeah, we've got. Uh, I know that we've been covering Central a lot. With Jay actually does their pictures and Bryson Warren, man, the sophomore, he's averaging like over thirty points a game right now. Just a an unbelievably smooth jump shot. And then of course you got Nick Smith. And man, that would have been cool to see him and and Jalen Ricks uh, together if Jalen wouldn't have gone to Oak Hill. But yeah, Nick Smith there at Central, Kalel Ware at uh, North Little Rock, and then I know Mom L's got a couple of. Good, and then there's uh, the guy Brian. He's committed to UCA. Uh, I think his name's Cameron Hunter. Yeah, then then mm-hmm. they've so yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good all the way around. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a name to watch. Springdale's got a freshman dropped twenty on Bentonville West at fifteen the other night against uh, Rogers. Anthony Thomas, six three swingman. Um, he, I mean, he's fearless. He will put it up from anywhere, and he makes more than he misses. He's and that's a, for Springdale. Uh, legi- for Springdale, Springdale, he is a okay. legitimate player, and um, they do a lot of creative things with him. Run him off screens, and man, he does a lot of catch and shoot stuff. And I mean, he's. He's 14 years old, <laughs> and he is out there playing with the uh, with, with the big boys in the 6A West, and he can uh, he can light it up. He's going to be fun to watch the next four years. We'll uh, we'll close out here. Oh, go ahead, Porter. Did you have something? With, uh, the, the talent in Arkansas is old. We've been needing that. I mean, we've talked about for years the lack of talent, like in football. You know, trying to build the programs up, and you look at the recruiting class Musselman got. Now you got Ford and all these kids coming up. Nick Smith that they could possibly get. It's exciting because on the women's side, the girls' side, you got Chloe Cardi and Savannah Scott down at Conway. And the girl who went to Oregon State, her name slips my mind, but Tasha Goforth. There's a lot of talent in in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting when it comes to you're wanting to build your program around that homegrown talent. And Zach, we'll finish it off real quick talking a little high school football here. So, you know, like you said, you do the play-by-play for both the basketball and football team, Springdale Bulldogs. And I did quite – I think I covered about 15 or 16 games this past season. And there's a big debate over that bill that was that was uh, brought up about private schools and public – basically in, in layman's terms, private schools and public schools having their own conference. Now, I, I fully wholeheartedly disagree with this. I'm a private school kid. I watched Nashville beat – so from 2005 to 2007, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I watched them win three state titles. And public school, and I I was at a private school, we were pretty good. We competed every – we were at least in contenders for state every year. I think that this is stupid. I think it's soft. Where are you at on it? Well, it's aimed at two schools. It's aimed at Little Rock Christian and it's aimed at PA. I get nervous when politicians get over their skis into – topics that they're not familiar with. If you want us, I think, and if the public schools are supporting this, I think the public schools need to get their own house in order because recruiting goes on at the, at, at the, the public school level more than it does at the private school level. Uh, you know, I've, I've witnessed it firsthand. Same. The recruiting of athletes um, in, in public schools. So, um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe before you, you know, if, if you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw stones. 
be careful what you wish for because uh, this bill makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, separating the private, the public schools doesn't make a lot of sense. AAA needs to get involved and really give us clear, concise, definite rules on how this works. You know, if, if PA is running up and down, I mean, PA is beating seven, eight teams or six. Yeah, I guess seven, eight teams and six, eight teams. You know, maybe it, I guess it would depend on on sort of what the rules are. But, man, there, there's just I don't know. I, I don't know what the debate is. I, I you know, I, Chicago has a, a private league and a, and a public league. You know, here they, they run together. My home state of Virginia, it's private league and a uh, and, and a public league. I, I, I don't know. There are again, it's aimed at two schools. It's aimed at PA and Little Rock Christian. If if that's the problem, address that problem. Don't make everybody else suffer. Yeah, definitely. Because you you look at the private the public schools who won Bryant and Greenwood. I mean, Greenwood's got ten state titles. Bryant's what three in a row, and mm-hmm. no signs of slowing down. But you look at the other rule that was put after that, or the proposed bill. They're wanting it to be if you do transfer, you don't have to sit out a year. So it's almost of course like they do. Yeah, want to separate, but now it's like they've already got their backup plan. Well, if this kid goes from this public school to this public school, he don't have to sit out. So mm-hmm. it, my stance on, on the public private, you, you, there's not enough schools. Could you imagine PA against Subiaco who's playing eight man Episcopal who's playing eight man. Mm-hmm. You're talking about hurting feelings. Go get beat a hundred to nothing. You, you get all these, there, there's not enough. And even if you did shallows, what, 4A, you got PA, 5A, 6A. Even if you put the top two together, I know Shallow's good, but they're not good every year like PA is Mm -hmm. or Harding. Well, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll tell you, I I saw Shiloh in the preseason. They played Springdale. Springdale went three and seven this year. Springdale pushed them around. I mean, that was a, that's, I mean, it's 4A state champion. So now on the flip side of that, PA beat Harbor a couple of years ago, put 80 on the board. Uh, they played, I think they played Bryant in a preseason scrimmage. Bryant roughed him up a little bit, but Bryant is, you know, Bryant's Bryant. Um, I don't know what the competitive, I don't know, I don't know how you make it balanced. I really don't. I, I think PA needs to move up to the six. I'd love to see PA play Greenwood. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd, be, yeah. that'd be a whole lot of fun. I'd like to see Little Rock Christian play uh, Greenwood, Benton, those kinds of schools. But that really, in the six A, there aren't enough schools to, to be competitive that aren't named Greenwood or Benton. Well, and one of the, those are the two scoops. arguably the worst team, I, I think. I think they were in they were in two and two or three A, but Conway Christian, um, one of, maybe the worst team in the entire state this year. Could you imagine them against me? <laughs> like, just, just, oh my gosh! I mean, yeah, just it's a total not, bloodbath. And, and, and let's be real too. This is around football. What are, what are you going to do about basketball, yeah. mm-hmm. and baseball, and softball, and soccer? All these- I think ba- it's, I think basketball is a different story because you don't have to have 60 guys to go play. You've got to have 12 athletes, and you can get 12 athletes. Like East Stem's competitive in the 4A. Um, you know, and Shiloh isn't. That's the crazy part. Shiloh basketball is, is not competitive at all in the 4A. So I, I don't know. And PA is not a, a power in basketball. Neither is you know, Little Rock Christian when they had Justice Hill was. But I, I don't it's, – it's a very complicated issue, and I'm just nervous when – politicians get into these sorts of debates because they don't know what they're talking about yeah, yeah. and you could what are you going to do you're going to shrink the mileage the radius they can recruit because they're still going to find that that's what it all has to because you look at shallow is in springdale they're a 4a school in springdale you know pa is a 5a school in literal and then you push out that radius so that's my only the only thing i can say negatively about when it comes to the advantage 
is because they do have that broad area. Because like, say mm-hmm. here at Ozark, yeah, we want to get a kid, a kid from a different school. We're going Mulberry, Coal Hill, you know, Johnson County Westside. You know, it's not that we can go from Little Rock, Mills, Jacksonville, Cabot, Bryant, and bring them into PA. Or like, look how big Northwest Arkansas is growing. You know, I see houses in Farmington and Prairie Grove just blowing up everywhere. So you got Springdale and in, in, in Shiloh and that 25, you got Pea Ridge, Bentonville, you know, Cave Spring, all these little areas that everybody can go to Shiloh. So, but we, like you said, a couple of schools that it's pointing at, it, it's really, it would really hurt the other ones that aren't good every year. Mm-hmm. You're, to play. Well, I'll tell you what, old J.R. Elders might be uh, coming up there to make farming to the powerhouse. <laughs> yeah, J.R., man, I was I was, I was, was kind of shocked to hear that. I, I did hear some rumblings um, after they played Fayetteville in week two. I covered that one in North Little Rock, and I had heard through the grapevine that there were some things going on behind the scenes, because I know North Little Rock's, they're, they, they're, they're so corrupt in their school board. I'll say that on record. There, <laughs> there was a few school board members that uh, wanted my head, apparently, for a quote that I put out on, on Rocktown, but that is what it is. Um, but you know, yeah, man, it's just that I think they treat their coaches horribly and they don't keep up with, with their word. And so they lost one of the best coaches in the state, arguably. I mean, I, I would probably put Kevin Kelly, Buck James, and then J.R. Eldridge as the top three coaches in the state of Arkansas and, um, just ran off a state championship coach and he's going to do great things at Farmington. And, you know, he's, he's, his hometown's from Fayetteville. So our hometown is Fayetteville. And so it's good for him to, to get up there and, you know, happy for him. J.R. is a great guy. I actually talked to him the other night. And so. I'm really happy for all that, but well, Zach, before we get off here, man, definitely got to plug your show again. Um, you know, we're very proud of the hog talk to be a part of the hit that line ESPN Arkansas network. And then you guys are on, uh, so Ruskin and Zach, as I said, at the top mm-hmm. of the hour, you guys are on three to seven Monday through Friday and guys, it's a very entertaining show. That's I always look forward to it. After I get off work, that's what I always listen to. You can catch them 96.3 FM in the hot springs area in central Arkansas, 95.3 Fort Smith River Valley, 104.3 Harrison Mountain Home, and 99.5 in Northwest Arkansas. Never a dull moment with you guys. The FCC has not taken you down yet. Um, you know, yet. I, I, I know Twitter. I know it, Twitter t- tried to, uh, especially with that wood chipper comment. That was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I know that uh, it's replayed on the radio. Something. Go ahead and tell a quick version of that. What happened with the wood chipper? I, one of our. I don't. I don't even remember what he said. But you know, we we have this thing, you know, if you say something dumb, you know, five minutes in a wood chipper. And I tweeted it to a guy and I got a notice from Twitter the next day that it violated some sort of decency policy. And we were locked out of our account for 24 hours. So no more Twitter and, polls. You know, no, no, no Twitter <laughs> polls that day. Um, and and you know, I, as I pointed out in my, like I put that, I put together this dispute letter. Um, and I said, you know, you guys are a, a platform that allows adult entertainment and me telling someone to put their head in a wood chipper is the one that gets violent. You know, I got punched up for that, and, and they didn't. So, you know, whatever. It was it was 24 hours where I didn't have to come up with a Twitter poll, so that's okay with me. <laughs> so, yeah, never never a dull moment on that. Again, make sure you catch them every day, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday. But, man, Zach, other than that, uh, you know, like I said, it's been a few months since we've had you, and always good to talk with you. And so we'll definitely uh, be talking with you down the road. Anytime, guys. Anytime you need me, give me a shout. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Guys, that'll do it for episode number 157 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Again, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Other than that, my name's Kyle Sutherland for Porter Hayes, Zach Arns. We will catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.